Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling. What's up you guys? Welcome back to Jewels on the Hustle. So as you could see, the last few episodes we've taken a little break from tennis, but this week we are going all Australian Open everything. I just like to mix up different episodes, different guests on Jewels on the Hustle because I want you guys to see all sides of me. This is like my life is mainly tennis, obviously, but there's so many other components. And a part of what made me a somewhat successful collegiate athlete, junior, whatever it may be, was the fact that I was able to compartmentalize. So when I was on the tennis court, it was all about tennis. When I was in the classroom, it was all about the academics. So I think balance is just, it's huge. It's key. And it's something that a lot of professional tennis players like really just suffer with is lack of balance, lack of well-roundedness. It is huge, guys, because when you're happy, Serena Williams actually said this years ago, when you're happy on the tennis court, because of things that happen off the tennis court, you play your best tennis. That is, I mean, it's no secret. It's obvious, but it's so true. And the reason why it's so important is because it just really positively impacts your tennis game. So that is why I've been doing a mix of episodes, whether it's, you know, some manifestation coaches or just some authors or just whatever it may be. I like to keep the balance. I like to constantly discover my why. I like to find myself each and every day. Like I'm 26 years old. I have not peaked. I don't want to peak. I don't know if I ever want to peak. I want to constantly be reevaluating myself and keep myself on my tippy toes because that's what makes life so damn interesting. <laughs> Let's jump into it. The time difference just stinks. It's awful. If it were up to me, I'd watch so many more matches, but I could typically watch one match that starts like at 9 p.m. and I can watch that to the end. But then after that, I have to go to sleep because, you know, I'm not a full-time tennis reporter. If that were my career, like Patrick McEnroe or um, John McEnroe, they're sitting in Bristol in Connecticut at the ESPN studio, they're probably sleeping during the day so they could stay up all night and commentate. Like, that is pretty cool. But I can't do that, unfortunately. I would have loved to. But last night, we witnessed the Serena Williams-Naomi Osaka semifinals. It was also the Jennifer Brady-Muchova semifinals, but that one was around midnight, I'd say, and I could not watch that. So my analysis is a little limited, unfortunately, but we have so much to talk about with Serena and Osaka. So what's interesting is before the Australian Open, they played an exhibition. A lot of people were like, oh, Serena won that exhibition in a third set tiebreaker. So two things. One, exhibitions are not taken seriously. They're more of a, you know, a fan engager, more of a fun um, just thing, you know, 
thanking tennis, thanking the fans, giving back to the sport they love. That's what like an exhibition is. And there's usually some sort of charity involved or salesy stuff. And it's more about that than, you know, winning a tennis match. Number two, a third set tiebreaker. Guys, anything goes down in a third set tiebreaker. It is the most unpredictable thing. So is no ad tennis. So like when you go do some, there's no ads. So no ad tennis and third set tiebreakers are the most unpredictable. Lots of upsets and whatnot. So I wanted to preface that before we start talking about the match. And also thirdly, they both had just gotten to Australia when the exhibition went down. So lack of preparation, probably lots of I didn't watch it specifically, but, you know, lots of kinks and getting the rust off. So that match could not be compared to this Australian Open semifinal match. I just want to put that out there because a lot of people were like, oh, Serena won that one. She's going to win this one. No. So you guys are probably thinking, who was Julia rooting for? That's the big question. Now, Before I answer that, here's some background. I've known Naomi Osaka since we were younger than 10 years old. I'd say since we were seven. She has a sister, Mari Osaka. They were born and raised in New York. Actually, I take that back. I don't know if they were born, but they were raised there. And we grew up, you know, playing the same tournaments when we were 10, 11. Mari was always the better sister between the two. Naomi... She was not the same level, and it's just really cool to see how she's really come around and how great she is now, obviously, but I would have never expected her to be the tennis player she is today. Her parents, well, their parents are really intense, really into the sport. They take it seriously, Um, and so you knew growing up that they would be pretty good, but you never really knew how good. But a lot of times it takes a child to have intense tennis parents to be able to make it to the end. You know, they always say motivation, it comes from the self. You should be self-driven. I'd say yes, to a certain extent, you do have to remember that they are children. So there's only so much motivation and self-drive one could possibly have when you're seven, eight years old. I'd say it would be like 60-40. It should come 60% from yourself and 40% from your parents at first. And then later, obviously, it has to come all within you. But they were lucky. Like their parents were really into it. Now, there's a fine line between too much into it and just the right amount into it. And usually it does surpass that line. A lot of parents do get too into it. But I, I hate to say it, it's sometimes better than not being into it enough because when the parents aren't really into it as much as the kids, when they're not as invested, then, you know, they'll never really get to the top. And then you have Serena Williams. She is coming to the Australian Open with a mission that's greater than winning the Australian Open. She's trying to tie Margaret Court's record at 24 grand slams for years guys she's been working towards this and has just miserably failed unfortunately we're all rooting for her we want you know how cool is it to be able to live in a time where you know you have the best tennis player that's ever you know been produced like a living legend or an icon as Naomi says 
a living icon. I, with that all said, I was definitely rooting for Serena Williams. I made bets with my parents. My dad said that Naomi's going to win in two sets. I said Serena would win in three sets. Well, not because I truly believed it, but more like because I was hoping it would happen. And my mom said Serena would win in two sets. And again, because she was hoping, not because she actually believed it. There's just something about Naomi that goes beyond the nerves, that goes beyond the stressors of Serena trying to win and, you know, not just tie, but surpass Margaret Court at some point. She, Naomi, is just fearless. She plays aggressive tennis. She's moving real quick. She just, just, she's so calm overall. I mean, she did show early signs of nerves with her ball toss in the beginning of the match, constantly tossing and catching, not able to get that straight toss. But she just so perfectly hits her targets on the court, moving Serena side to side with such power and just, it's just, it's beautiful tennis. And Serena, she's just, she was forced to go for too much too early. And that was the strategy for Serena. She had to play big in the beginning of the point. Whenever Naomi dragged out the points, it was over for Serena. Once Naomi gets into that groove, she can pinpoint her shots in any part of the tennis court, moving Serena side to side, and Serena has very little, you know, left there. So for Serena, the strategy was to go big on the returns, to go for those big first serves and try to win it on the plus one shot. But unfortunately, her first serve wasn't there, and her returns, specifically on the forehand, were just definitely not there. What's interesting is that Serena has a record, a track record, of starting real slow. Specifically, did you guys see that match against Potapova in the second round? She looked like she could lose the match in the first few games. It was atrocious. But against Naomi Osaka, she started so strong. She won the first two games playing exquisitely, like so great. But then Naomi started playing a little better and Serena kind of dropped off. If she was able to maintain that level that she started with, I do think it would have been a different match. I think she would have won in two or three sets. But how does she hold on to that level, I guess? It's hard. Like, that is something that I, I have a few players that I work with, and that's something that players do, you know, struggle with. How do you maintain a level when your opponent starts to catch up and kind of figure you out? That's hard. And the answer I have to that is you basically have to hold on to that level you brought in the beginning of the match and even raise that even higher. So, if you were playing nice and aggressively and you were consistent with it, you have to be even more consistent. You have to be even more aggressive. So you take your level and raise it just the way they took their level and raised it. You know what I mean? You clearly knew what you were doing. You clearly were applying the right strategy, but you might just have to raise it to that next level as your opponent raises their level to the next level. Does that make sense, guys? 
Because that's really how it works. So low key, I had way too much coffee this morning. (laughs) And every time I get into like an intense thought, my heart rate goes so high and like I can't speak or breathe. (laughs) Does that make any sense? I'm totally hooked on the new Trader Joe's Illy coffee. It tastes so delicious and it's strong, just how I like it. I'm a New Yorker, nothing less but extra, extra strong, boys and girls. But I, I can't, I can't breathe. <laughs> so if I take weird pauses, please bear with me. This is not intentional. No, like I just my heart rate is is fired up between this Australian Open and this caffeine, but I love it and I wouldn't trade it for the world. This week's theme is self-care. You are spending the rest of your life with yourself, so why not take care of your mental and physical health? Starting with Jandal Candles. These candles are the most beautiful things on the outside and most delicious smelling things on the insides. They are made with 100% soy wax, cotton wicks, and phthalate-free fragrances. These are some of my favorite scents. Listen, apple of my eye, but first coffee, cinnamon swirl, green tea party, ice queen, lavender, and pomegranate cider. So there's literally a scent for every season. And this is my favorite thing about them is that they specialize in personalization. So they can add like your company's logo, photos, sayings, names, like literally whatever you want, they got it. You can just like give them out as a party favor for any occasion or just treat yourself. The cutest thing is that they love the show Shit's Creek. So they have personalized candles that are like, ew, David. I can't do the Alexis voice, but you know what I mean. So guys, go to jandlecandles.com. J-A-N-D-L-E. C-A-N-D-L-E-S dot com. Use code HUSTLE20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. These candles are amazing. You will not be sorry. Hello, my hustlers. Boy, do I have some great news for you. So the other day I was practicing with this girl and her eyelash falls off mid-practice. That's right, her lash popped off. And I thought, Julia, what are you going to do? And that's when I turned to play your court because you get to play more tennis and improve your game while the tennis is brought to you. You get set up with practice partners nearby that are similar in level. So that's right for all you lazy folks thinking, I don't want to drive far to practice. Well, no excuses. You get unlimited matches, no drama, and custom video coaching tailored to your needs. So let's say you're having a hard time with your forehand inside out or your serve. Play Your Court has you set. And you actually end up saving more because you get insider pricing on balls, rackets, grips, shoes, string, bags, apparel, pro tickets, and more from the top tennis brands. All you have to do is go to playyourcourt.com and answer a few easy questions about what you are looking for. Use my code, you're welcome, capital JULIA, J-U-L-I-A, all caps, and you get 50% off your yearly subscription of $49.99. 
and just monthly, you can get it for $5.99. Again, you're welcome. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Play Your Court and their YouTube page, Play Your Court. You are welcome. Ball out, guys. Another two players I have to discuss are Jennifer Brady and Jessica Pagula. These are two players I've also grown up with, maybe later in a later stage of my life, not when we were under 10 years old, but when we were teenagers. I've played both of them, and I have so much to say about these girls and their games. Wow. So Jessica Pagula and Jennifer Brady are hands down the two toughest players to hit a ball against. Let's start with Jessica. Her shots are ridiculously hard, guys. I practiced with her in Hawaii a few years back on hard courts, and I swear I called my mom after the practice, and I said I either am so bad or this girl is insane. I'm not like I came off the court brainwashed. I said I've never seen a level this high in my entire life. Now, I knew I wasn't playing that bad, but this girl, and she ended up winning the tournament, by the way. So no surprise, she was on fire. But this girl, Jessica Pagula, her shots are so penetrating. You feel hopeless out there, totally like, or actually helpless. Either way, I just felt everything, every emotion possible, every thought entered my brain. And... She, like, I don't know how she does it. She hits so hard, so aggressively from any spot on the court, and she doesn't miss throughout the tournament, whether she was playing uh, Svitlina or she was playing Azarenka. Like, it didn't matter. Like, if the points were long, she would win them, which makes no sense because she's so aggressive. Usually the aggressive players are less consistent, but not with Jessica Pagula. Like, I played her in doubles a couple years ago in Houston. (laughs) Playing doubles with Jessica is probably a dream because her shots penetrate so much through the court and the net player can get a perfect poach. I think Jessica has the brightest future. And (laughs) I have so many great... She's not paying me to say this. Like, she's been on my podcast. You guys should go back to the... Um, beginning of 2019 I had an episode with her she's so humble and just a great great tennis player I have so many great things to say about her she will win a grand slam very soon you heard it here first on jewels on the hustle and what's really interesting about her is her family well one of the things that's interesting about her they own the buffalo bills if you're not familiar that's a football team in New York and they just made it really far this season they made it to the playoffs and they were one game or two games away from reaching the Super Bowl two games from reaching the Super Bowl so they're a high level team it's no secret Jess Jess's family is pretty rich and despite that she has that inner motivation that drive to just dominate the tennis world. There's two ways to look at it, though. I was telling one of my friends the other day. Like, yes, her family has... Oh, here we go. <laughs> the coffee is catching. <laughs> Whenever I get deep in that thought, I'm like... Ah, ah, ah. 
but yeah, there's two ways to look at it. Either A, you know, her family has a lot of money. Like, wow, she still has that drive. That's incredible. But B, she also can play with less pressure because she knows that, you know, her next meal is not riding on the next match. These are two valid points. I feel like it's a double-edged sword because it's a positive and a negative, but I mean, she just looks so driven and motivated. But then with Jennifer Brady, she hits an extremely heavy ball. What does heavy mean? Heavy means a lot of topspin. When the ball hits the court, it kind of just, it kind of flings at you. So there's so much racket speed and impact she makes with the ball. So when it hits the ground, it like flies into you and bounces up high. So for us short people, it's really hard to retrieve. Her serve, her serve is mega huge. Her first serve has a lot of arc. So when it hits the ground, it bounces up high. She's relatively tall, I'd say. Not the tallest out there, but she plays like she's really tall. Her second serve, (laughs) it is the biggest kick I've ever seen. It flies over your head. So you have two options to retrieve for second serve. You either close in all the way, you stand near the service line and try to hit it right after it bounces, or you have to do a Nadal and go all the way back in the court and try to wait for it to like fall down. Her serve is extreme. It's an extreme weapon. And then backed up with her ground strokes. So people think aggression means you have to hit the ball hard. No, aggression is just the impact or just how difficult your shot is against your opponent. So for Jess, she hits really hard and flat. So that is very difficult for your opponent to retrieve. But then Jenny... She hits a lot of topspin, which is also extremely difficult to retrieve. I'd say both of those games are aggression because they have a lot of junk, junk on those shots. So they're they're both aggressive in different ways. Another way to be aggressive would be like I mentioned a few episodes ago with Enna and Ashibahara. She likes to transition to the net. So I think it's really important to notice that aggression does not mean hit the ball hard. It can just be putting a lot of junk or your positioning in the court. So I wanted to point that out. So Jenny is now in the final against Naomi Osaka. That is going to be interesting. My money is on Osaka. She has experience you know, in the final, she has experience winning the Australian Open and she's on fire, no doubt. Jenny, she's, this is a new setting for her. Not that she can't do it. They've had close matches before, but I just have to say that Osaka is on fire. But it'll be interesting to see. A few episodes ago, I said that it would be really hard for players that are in the strict quarantine, which was the two weeks of not leaving your hotel room. I said it would be really hard for those players to do well in the Australian Open. Jenny Brady, she found a way to make it to the finals of the Australian Open in strict quarantine. People asked her, how did you do it? You didn't move 
for two weeks. She said, guys, I needed this break. This was healthy for me. I probably wouldn't have made it to the finals if it weren't for that break. Wow, guys. That Oh, sorry. I might have just blown out your eardrums. But wow. I can't tell you how impressive that is. To be in a two-week strict quarantine where you're in like a like in a, a room that's a square and to be able to come out and make it to the finals of the Australian Open. Look at Kenan. Look at Bianca Andrescu. They lost within the first few rounds in strict quarantine. Jenny really needed that break. So that break really worked for her. It really did. That I could not have told you was going to happen a few weeks ago. And that just proved me wrong. And it's also such an interesting way to look at it. Some players go so hard in their preseason that they're like, I need a break. It's so important as a tennis player to have that mental and physical break. Like it's just as important as having enough preparation. So, wow. And then during the Australian Open, obviously the players – had to go through a five-day phase with no fans because of COVID. So when Serena and Jennifer Brady had fans again, I said, this is going to work in Serena's favor. Serena does this thing when things are going wrong for her. She, she gets into a relationship with the fans. They cheer her on. This is her signature move. She's down a set and 3-1 in the second set. She hits one big shot. She's like, come on. Then the fans go nuts. And she feeds off of that so much. That is just signature Serena right there. Or I like to call her Rena. Signature Rena right there. So when I, when I saw that there were fans, her in that cat suit, I was like, wow, this is going to work for her. That's another thing. What did you guys think of her outfit? Apparently, it was inspired by a track runner who ran with, um, you know, one short and one long pant. I don't know. All, my, my initial thoughts were, wow, she must uh, have a hard time going to the bathroom in that one. So you guys are definitely thinking, oh, Julia only watches women's tennis. That's not true. The truth is that I've watched Novak Djokovic. But other than that, I feel like all the matches have been like in the middle of the night at 3.30 a.m. And I love my sleep. I love my beauty sleep. And so that's just not possible. From what I see, Novak and Daniil Medvedev are just on fire. Titsipas did take out Nadal. I haven't watched Nadal play this Australian Open, unfortunately. We all know hard courts are not exactly his surface. But I do think that Djokovic will take out Daniil in the final. Daniil still has to get past Titsipas today, but I don't see that happening, that Titsipas will take Daniil out. But we, we shall see. It's going to be a good final regardless, and uh, we will see what happens. So, guys, the Australian Open is wrapping up. I love those two weeks of tennis because you just come home at the end of the day, whether you're working or a student at school, and you just cuddle up in bed and watch tennis on that light blue tennis court. If you're a tennis fan, it's it's a vibe. 
a total vibe. They say nothing good happens after 12 midnight, but watching the Australian Open might be the exception. Not that I do it because I'm asleep by midnight, but that's besides the point. Ah, I'm going to miss tennis. The good news is that it's just the beginning of the season. More tennis will go down. Hopefully, we'll have all four Grand Slams this year, including the U.S. Open in lovely New York. I'm definitely hoping to get to do some media um, for the Australian, uh, for the U.S. Open this year. That would be mega cool. I miss it a lot. But... I really enjoyed this episode. Like, tennis is my home base. It's my love. It's everything. This is my comfort zone right here. Thinking, breathing, talking, loving tennis is my forte. And there's just no replacement for it. If you guys check me out on Jules on the Hustle podcast on Instagram. We go behind the scenes there. We get into it. There's just more coverage there than what you hear here. We just really want to build that community and that hustle love. So please check it out. Give it a follow and engage. I respond to everyone. Really. It's great. But uh, if you guys also enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple. And only if it's five stars, though, obviously. If it's anything less, no thank you. (laughs) But uh, I hope everyone has a lovely week. It is currently snowing here in New York. If you're in Texas, my Texas fans, my heart is 100% with you guys. I'm praying for you all. Please feel free to reach out to people around you so many people want to help these days it's just it's such a hard time we all live in now and people are wanting to give back so don't feel alone don't let yourself go just really like look for help be open to it and I'm sure someone will come through or you can come to New York and I'll take care of you (laughs) all right guys a great episode We will see you guys. We will see you hustlers next Monday. Every day I'm hustling. 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 Every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling.